0: thank you so much for being here. I cannot even begin to tell you how excited about this this message I am today. And I'll tell you why. This time we've been in the book of Revelation, the last few chapters have been heavy for me. I've gone home and I've kind of agonized over the fact, gosh, am I just driving these people to peril? I mean, one judgment after another, after another. And I said, Lord, give us a breath here and you know it dawned on me he has been Uh, in chapter 7 there was an interlude and the interlude had a purpose just as we are in an interlude now in the 10th and the 11th chapter both of them have a purpose the purpose is God wants the, the people on this earth to hear for perhaps the last time but for certain that he is who he says he is And so in chapter 7, if you remember, it said the angels stood at the four corners of the earth and held back the wind. Do you remember that? And it said, basically, the wind was the judgment. And right after that, it says, Then the Lord went to each of the twelve tribes of Jerusalem and chose 12,000 men from each tribe, 144,000 bonded, sealed men of God, Who were then to go out, it said, to every nation, every tribe, every people, every tongue. And they presented the gospel of Jesus Christ for the people. That was the interlude there. And John said that there were so many he saw at the throne that he couldn't count them all that were there. People who had come to Christ were martyred for their faith. But they were in heaven. Well, here... In the 10th and the 11th chapter, he stops again. There is again an interlude, a pause. And what is going to take place here is he now is going to choose two witnesses. And their ministry is to go and to call all people to repentance. How do I know? By what they're wearing. It's really interesting. In the third verse, it says they're wearing sackcloth. Doesn't tell us they're wearing sackcloth just so we'll know what they were wearing. Sackcloth had a at a purpose. Sackcloth was the very essence of repentance. They were going to call the people to repentance, and they were also going to proclaim the judgments of God that were going to fall upon the earth. And I will share with you why there were two witnesses and what it meant when it was called, they were called two witnesses. Then we learned God so loved the world that he gave us his only begotten son. In the 14th chapter, I kind of read ahead last week a little bit, in the 6th verse, we were told that John said he saw and heard an angel flying in mid-heaven proclaiming the eternal gospel. And so what we are seeing here, in the midst of all of this turmoil, is that God is verifying that He will patiently make sure that every single person has an opportunity to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells us in, in Peter, first Peter, I think it's first Peter that he wishes none of us to, to perish, but for all of us to come to salvation. So let's take a look at these two witnesses. And we'll kind of take a look at them. Now, there is a, just a, a, a plethora of, of information about who are these guys. Well, I'll tell you up front who they are right now. I don't know. I don't know. We don't know because God doesn't tell us. But it's amazing to me how many commentators, uh, biblical scholars, want to f- tell us who they are. Now, I will, for just the love of studying the Bible, tell you who some of them think. But who they are, we're going to find out today, is not critical. What God does with them, critical. We had been studying, when we went to study the church, we talked about how even though we saw what is a pastor to be like, what are his character traits, what is an elder to look like, what is a deacon to look like, what are godly people to look like. And I mentioned to you, even though you might not be an elder, even though you might not be a pastor, we all should strive for these character traits that that fall in line with who these people are and what they are to look like before God. Because we ought to rise to... The best level we can of being the best we are before God. And what, we all, what I want to do is to challenge us through these two witnesses. I want to challenge us to be the people of God that God has called us to be. Um, I'm, really f- I'm really excited about this particular place in Scripture. Um, just for, for your knowledge, next week we're going to have a long overdue time of communion. We haven't had communion in a while. I've, I've asked, uh, someone came to me and said, can we please have communion? And I, I said, of course. I can't believe that I put that off. I just get going and I don't think like I ought to. So next week we will have communion. And we'll just think of the, the wonders of our God and, and what He means to us. And I think today we'll set the tone for that. Uh, at least I hope so. Read with me, please, verses 3 through 7. We're just going to take a look at the life of these two witnesses just before they are killed. Verse 3. I will grant authority to my two witnesses. They will prophesy for 1260 days clothed in sackcloth. These are the two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. If anyone desires to harm them, fire will proceed out of their mouth and devour their enemy. If anyone would desire to harm them in this manner, he must be killed. They have the power to shut up the sky in order that rain may not fall during the days of their prophesying. And they have power over the waters to turn them into blood and to smite the earth with every plague as often as they desire. And when they have finished their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the abyss will make more with them and overcome them and kill them. Verse 7 is key to us today. When they have finished their testimony, the beast will come up out of the abyss and will kill them. What I am going to reason with you today is, he could not do them harm until God allowed him to do them harm. And he could not do them harm until they were finished with what God called them to do. Let me say to you up front what I want to try and say to you at the end of this message. That is exactly what God has in store for each and every single one of us. He has a plan for you and me. There is, not, there is no reason for us to wonder why are we living today? We are alive today. You're at church today. We're a part of this wonderful family of God today to serve the Lord our God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, and with all of our strength. And we are to serve Him with whatever ministry He has given us until He is finished with us. This week, uh, one one of my best buddies... About a month ago, he had an operation on his back for cancer, and they found out there was no cancer, so we rejoiced in that. So he comes home, and he calls me. He says, you know, I've really been sick. And What's wrong? He said, well, I got pneumonia. They said it was common that I got pneumonia from, from the surgery. Is that true, Doc? Does pneumonia kind of follow after that? Thank you for taking care of me. I never had a trace of pneumonia after my surgery. God bless you so much. Anyways, we started praying for his pneumonia, and when they took him in to check on the pneumonia, they found a mass on his lungs. It might be cancer, right? Uh, lymphoma? What is that? Anyways, um, I had a chance to tell him, Mel, I said, um, There's nothing going to happen to you until God says he's through with you. I don't want you to worry. Now, we both cried. It's really interesting. He called me on a phone. I, I, the church gave me a phone, new, I don't know what they're called. The, what is it? G4 or something like that, right? Cell, f- <laughs> cell phone. <laughs> <laughs> he said a cell phone. <laughs> and I called, Mel called me and I was talking to him, and I, there's a thing on my phone that says Facebook or FaceTime or Face something. So I push it. And I could see my ugly mug in that in the, th- the screen. And I said, "Mel, you got Facebook? I know. Press Facebook." And he did. And here he popped up. And he said, "Look at us, two old bald guys." <laughs> and we looked at each other, and we cried, and we prayed. I prayed for him, and, and we talked about how how great is our God, and and there's nothing to fear, really. The truth of the matter is, folks. You and I do not have a single day more or a single day less than what God has in store for us. And He will use us if we are obedient to fulfill the ministry He has called us to. I want to encourage you with that through these two witnesses today. Let's pray. Father, please, open up our eyes. Let us see the glory of being children of Yours. And let us... Get away from the, the heaviness of the judgments that are falling on this earth and let us breathe a sigh of wonderment through the ministries that we have been given by you so that we might serve you while we are here on this earth. Let us learn much from these two witnesses, Father, that you anointed I pray you'll bless us. I pray, Father, more than anything else on this earth that you would move me aside right now so that we would not really pay attention to who is given the message, but rather who the message is about. Your kindness and your grace to these two witnesses and you so do the same for each and every single one of us. Bless us, please, Father, so that we might in return bless you back. I pray this in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. Well, God takes this time out to make sure that everybody hears. 144,000 Jews, the two witnesses, the angel that is in mid-heaven, all of them are proclaiming the eternal gospel of Jesus Christ. God wants to make sure that everyone hears. Now, these two witnesses, who are they? Well, what we do know about them is they are called witnesses. That's very important. Because in the Greek, the word for witness is M-A-R-T-U-S, from which we get the word martyr. They are going to be martyred. The, the truth of the matter is, if you and I walk with Jesus Christ in obedience, we will be persecuted. Somehow, some way, people will find reason to blame us, for whatever reason. They will come after us. It's part of it. You need to know that. I need to be fair with you. I need to be truthful with you. To come to Christ doesn't mean that all of your troubles will be finally over with. No. On the contrary. You come to Christ and it just begins. But the journey you have with him is so enriching that he will care for you. And and you will fulfill what he has for you. Just remain obedient. Now, since so many witnesses of Jesus Christ in the early church, as well as even today, paid a very deep price for preaching the gospel. They paid with their lives. These two will as well. As we saw in verse 7, they were killed. But as we're going to see next week, God's going to rise, raise them from the dead. Oh man, that's this is next week's glory, glory, glory. Bernadette, you cannot, you just don't want to miss next week. You just don't. So these two witnesses are martyrs. I took a look at the book of Hebrews, the 11th chapter. It's the chapter of faith. It talks about all the people that have have just stood on the faith of God and had gone through difficulties one after another. And I just picked out a few, the unnamed few at the end of chapter 11, verses 35, 36, 37, and 38. It says in verse 35 of Hebrews chapter 11, "...women received back their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their release so that they might obtain a better resurrection." Verse 36 six says, "...others experienced mocking, scourging, yes, also chains and imprisonment." Verse 37 tells us, "...they were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were put to death with a sword." They went about in sheepskins, goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated. Men and women, it says in verse 37, of whom the world was not even worthy. They wandered in deserts, mountains, caves. They lived in holes in the ground. Yes, truly, to live for Jesus Christ will cost us something. But it is so worth the price. So worth it. Now... There are two witnesses, martyrs, but two of them. Now the Bible tells us that more than likely there were two of them because the Bible says it requires that there be two, maybe three witnesses to confirm the facts and the truth of the subject. Matthew chapter 18, verse 16, for instance, says... If he does not listen to you, if someone you, you've convicted of sin, if he doesn't listen to you, take one or two more. In other words, take one or two, three of you, with, with one another, so that by the mouth of two or three witnesses, every fact may be confirmed. In the Old Testament, it says in Deuteronomy chapter 17, and verse 6, if you're going to kill someone, it must be on the evidence of two or three witnesses. So that person who is to die shall be put to death he shall not be put to death on the evidence of just one witness who knows but perhaps so many are going to die over what these two witnesses are going to prophesy for these 42 months one 1,260 days, three and one half years, the last three and one half years of the tribulation of which our Lord calls the Great Tribulation. Perhaps God gives them two witnesses so as to confirm His message through them. It'll be their responsibility, it says in verse 3. To prophesy for 1,260 days, 42 months, three and one half years. The word prophecy in the New Testament does not necessarily refer to predicting the future. They are going to talk about the upcoming judgments, seven more bold judgments that are going to fall on the earth. But that's not the issue. The issue of prophecy is the primary meaning is to speak forth. To proclaim and to preach. If, if, if I have a ministry, if, if I have a gift, it is the gift of prophecy. Not telling the future, but speaking forth, proclaiming, preaching the truth. It is my deepest desire not to give you my opinions upon anything. It's, my opinions are, are absolutely worthless. This, this is what I want us to understand. This is what I want us to build our lives upon the truth upon the word of God. And I study as hard as I know how. So as to preach forth. So as to proclaim. So as to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so these two witnesses are going to proclaim to the world that disasters are going to come during the last half of the tribulation. Disasters like they have never ever seen before on this earth. And then the judgment of God will come upon those who reject him. And so the 144,000 Jews, the two witnesses, the angel that is flying in mid-heaven proclaiming the eternal gospel, they will remind people, you've got to come to Christ. You cannot reject him. You must repent. They will warn everyone that God's final judgment will follow with an eternal judgment of hell. Perhaps why there were two witnesses. The cry from the two witnesses is to repent. How do we know? By what they were wearing. At the end of verse 3, it says they will be wearing sackcloth. Sackcloth was a, a very rough and heavy, coarse cloth worn in ancient times as a symbol of mourning, grief, humility, and most of all, repentance. Matthew chapter 11, verse 21. Listen. Woe to you, Corozin. Choraz- Chor- I can never say the word. Woe to you, Bethsaida. Because it says, if the miracles had occurred in Tyre and Sidon, which occurred in you, they would have repented long ago in sackcloth and in ashes. Jacob put on sackcloth when he thought Joseph had been killed in. Genesis chapter 37. In 2 Samuel chapter 3, David ordered the people to wear sackcloth after the murder of Abner. Job wore it, Isaiah, Daniel, and of course John the Baptist. The question of then now, since they are calling people for repentance, who are these two witnesses? That has intrigued Bible scholars over the years, and there have been a number of of possibilities suggested. Just for the love of that type of study, I'm going to briefly share with you who some think they are. But the truth of the matter is, we don't know. We don't know. John merely identifies them in verse 4 as two olive trees and the two lampstands that stand before the Lord of the earth. There's no suggestion as to who they are. Uh, but wouldn't you know, you know, if you study the any commentators at all, they all have their ideas. For what it's worth, I, I, I won't speculate on that. I'm just going to tell you what some think. Dr. J. Vernon McGee, for instance, and many of them think that there is a great possibility that one of them is Elijah. The reason being that, that it, it was predicted that, that Elijah would, would return. And Elijah, in 2 Kings chapter 2, says he went up. In a whirlwind to heaven. Many say that it is given to us once to die and then come judgment. And so they're saying Elijah didn't die. He was taken up. Also it says of him that, that he was predicted that he would come back to this earth. In Malachi chapter 4 verse 5. It says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before... Note. The coming and great and terrible day of the Lord, the time that we are in right now studying, it is also recorded in Matthew chapter 17 and verse 11 that Jesus Christ Himself said, "Elijah is coming and He will restore all things." Doctor McGee agrees it's Elijah. He believes that, but but to say that it is Enoch because Enoch also didn't die. In in, in Genesis chapter 5, it it says of Enoch that he walked with God and he was not, for God took him. (laughs) I love that. That is a, what a statement about somebody. He walked with God and he was not, for God took him. That's a good tombstone. I like that. But Dr. McGee says, I doubt that it was Enoch, because Enoch was a Gentile. And just the fact, Dr. McGee argues, that that he didn't die does not qualify him, because by the time we come to this place in the Great Tribulation, the church has already been translated, and, and many have risen to be with the Lord who did not die. So he says, with some assurance, that Elijah is one of them, and he suggests the other is John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a forerunner of Christ. He was there at the first coming. And he's similar, Dr. McGee argues, to to Elijah in his manner and in his messages. Truth is, we don't know. Dr. John MacArthur suggests it's impossible to be dogmatic about the identity of these two preachers, these witnesses, but there's a number of reasons to suggest And He also says Elijah, but he also says Moses. The reason he he says it's Elijah and Moses is because the miracles that Elijah and Moses performed in the Old Testament, destroying enemies by fire, withholding rain, turning water into blood, and, and different plagues, they're similar to the judgments that are mentioned here in Revelation chapter 11. For instance, Elijah in 2 Kings chapter 1 called fire down from heaven. Elijah in 1 Kings chapter 17 and James chapter 5, we are told, pronounced a three-and-one-half-year drought upon the land, just as here. Moses, in Exodus chapter 7, we are told, turned the, the water of the Nile River into blood. And he announced plagues upon Egypt through Exodus chapter 7 to Exodus chapter 12. Same length as the drought, Same number of, or not number of plagues, but plagues that are being brought by these two witnesses, we see in verse 6. Now, again, since our Lord does not specifically identify who they are, I won't either. I just wanted to fill that in so you had some background. But more than who these two guys are, it is what God does for them that I want you and me to see at the remaining minutes in this service. God will do for us what he does for them, I believe, with all of my heart. He will not allow anyone to stop their mission, or should I say, his ministry for them. Note what he says. Again, look look at what it says in verse 7. When they have finished their testimony, then the beast will kill them. Not before. These two witnesses are unstoppable until the mission that God had given them is completed. You see, I believe you and me, all obedient children of God are here on earth to complete what God has for us. We don't have one day more, nor do we have one day less than what God has ordained for us. And that's exactly what I told my friend when we wept over the fact that he might be having this mass of cancer on his lungs. Karen Thompson absolutely loves this particular verse. My wife tells me. It's in Ephesians chapter 2. It's verses 8, 9, and 10. Most of you know it. And you'll, you'll, you'll remember it the moment I start to read it. It says, For by grace you and I have been saved through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of work so that none of us what? may boast. Here's the key. Verse 10. Listen. We are His workmanship. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. That's why you're alive. That is why you and I are alive. We have been created in Christ Jesus for good works. Note what it says after that. Which... God had prepared for us beforehand so that we would simply walk in this good works, this ministry that he has for us. These things that God has prepared for you and for me are available to every single one of us. We just need to search it out, find out what is our gift and where is it that God wants to use us and be used And walk in obedience and you will fulfill what God has for you until He is through with you. No sooner or no later. We'll complete this work that He has for us if we are obedient and walk in them. None other than Jesus Christ said at the cross when they gave Him sour wine to drink, He shouted out these three words, It is finished His ministry on earth was complete. And then it says he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Jesus said of those of us that follow him, I particularly love this place. It's in Luke chapter 12, verses 6 and 7. He says to his followers, Are not five sparrows sold for two cents? And yet he says, Not one of them is forgotten by God. Then he says in verse 7, Indeed, the very hairs of your head are all numbered. You can put in your joke there about me. And tell it that over lunch you can do that. The very hairs of your head are numbered, he says. Do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. We need to believe our value before the Lord. He has a ministry for you and me. He has a ministry for this church. I don't know exactly what it is. Do you? But he has it. And we've got something exciting that lies before us. It has to be encouraging to know that every single one of us are immortal until God has accomplished his purpose for us on this earth. If we are obedient to him, These two witnesses, these two martyrs, these two men that verify and speak the truth to all who will live fearlessly proclaimed God's judgment, God's wrath, God's vengeance upon this earth. And most importantly, they preached the need for people to repent. Because of that, we'll learn next week, verses 9 and 10, they were hated. Many desired to do them harm. And when harm upon them was attempted, (laughs) look what happened. They they reacted with miraculous powers. Look at verses 5 and 6. If anyone desired to harm them, fire proceeded out of their mouth and devoured their enemies. If anyone desired to harm them in this manner, he would be killed. They have the power to shut up the sky in order that rain wouldn't fall during the days of their prophesying. They had power over the waters to turn them into blood. They had power to smite the earth with every plague, look, as often as they wanted to. Don't you know the Lord wouldn't trust us with that? There's no way He would trust me with that power. Some of the people, the way they've been treating me, I just walk up to them and go, ah! Ah! Crispy little critters, aren't they? Yeah, see, He wouldn't trust me with that. I would run amok with that power. No, but what he has entrusted me with is a ministry. (laughs) I probably smell my breath over there. Couldn't you? (laughs) What he has entrusted me with is a ministry. Same as you. Same as you. And he doesn't want us to... to stop our ministry until the ministry is complete. Your ministry, my ministry, the ministry of this church, wherever and however God wants to use you, He wants you to be used, and you will be invincible until He is through with you. All He asks of you and me is to be obedient to our call. You know, it's really interesting that both in the New and the Old Testament, God uses miracles to to authenticate his message, and his messengers. In the tribulation that we are studying now, the world is overrun with supernatural demonic activity. False religions, much like today, I might add. Murders here and there, much like today, I might add. Sexual perversion, much like today. A rampant wickedness in their streets from evil people, much like today. The supernatural signs performed by these two witnesses are going to mark them as true prophets of God. What marks you and me is our faithfulness to our ministry, our call to this church. And what, because of what they have done... They're going to be hated. You know, sadly, there are people that just don't... They just don't like it when people really want to serve the Lord. Something bugs. I I anticipate that in the world. Don't you? I do. I anticipate it. I expect it. What hurts me the most is friendly fire when it comes from the family of God. That always... uh, causes me most grief I wanted to encourage you today the best I know how that God has a plan for you and me we're not walking this earth today just haphazardly no there's something in store for you that is is beyond your wildest dream God has something for you that who knows and don't be and don't be confused by how great it may be in your eyes or my eyes or others' eyes. Greatness is not the way God looks at things. God looks at things just being faithful. That's, that's the greatness to Him. It, it might be that He just is going to use you to live your life faithfully so as to one person might come to Christ. And that one person might be the one person that leads thousands. On the other hand, you might lead thousands to Christ on your own. Let me just share with you, don't be, don't be puffed up if you do what, what, what the world considers great. No, just be faithful to serve the Lord this day, best you know how. It's the best way I know to live. And you can do it no matter what you're doing. It says, whatever you do, do it heartily as unto the Lord, knowing it's Lord Jesus Christ whom you serve. Next week, we'll take a look at not only their death, but their resurrection. And we're going to take a long overdue time for communion. We're going to have communion next week with, with uh, some hopefully some special music. I haven't asked yet, but we'll see what the guys will do and the girls will do. It'll be a time for you and me to reflect on our walk with Christ. Please come. It'll be a very, very, very special morning. And is it, can you even believe that it's already November? My goodness. My goodness. Thank you, Father, for today. Thank you for these two witnesses, Father. These martyrs who willfully live for you. So I pray we would do the same. Help us, Father, to become the people that you've created us to become. Help us to... Look forward to our ministry and to be faithful to do the things that you've called us to do. Whatever that is, great or small, as far as the world is concerned, great or small. But let us, regardless of the size of what we do, let us walk in faithfulness and obedience. That's the key. Bless us. Bless us, Father, so that we might bless you in return. I pray in Jesus' most precious name. Amen. I love you all more than life itself. God bless you. I'll see you next week. Thanks for being here.